Hey love, welcome to Divine Alignment, the podcast. This is a space where we bridge the gap between your soul and your human, and we speak pure magic. So I'm so happy to have you here. And, you know, I remember when we met and I think it was like, it was like two years ago, I think, or something like that. I think it was around December. Yes. Two years ago. (laughs) Yes. And I was like, I really like the way she's leading. I really like what she talks about. And then just like, and I think that's the thing about, um, getting to know somebody and really like watching their leadership for a while and then their congruency with their message it's really what pulls me in mm-hmm. yeah i agree yeah because if i see people who keeps changing you know one day they are all about uh, because you, we know like 2019 people were all about like strategies and the masculine and then the industry was like the feminine and so everyone is a feminine. It's like, no, what is your mess? Like my message, when I look back at my post from 2018, they are the same. I was saying the same shit. I say now. <laughs> same, same, same old, just, you know, <laughs> refine as you go. Yeah. And I think that's that's the most beautiful thing that to reflect back to like your earlier courses and in programs and just basically talking about the same things. Um back then I think that's that just says so much about your message and for everybody that is listening that has not come across your work and now will which I'm excited for them Mm -hmm. because for me it has been fantastic um the way I would describe you and I mean of course Elisa you can go ahead and say a little bit about what you do but the way that I describe Elisa it's like money master basically what it is it's like really living unapologetically in the highest frequency receiving for being who she is receiving for just basically existing and teaching everybody around you to do the same mm-hmm. I love that yeah you Who know is that, I, is that- I had the session yesterday with a healer and she's like literally like your thing is uh, abundance, is money. And uh, because uh, you have such a financial literacy and the way you talk about money is so embodied and so different uh, that uh, not many people actually, you know, go to the depth of it, uh, but also truly embody what they talk about. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And before we go into this like money talk and and how it relates to gene keys and human design and whatever is it that we're going to get into this, which I'm excited. (laughs) I want to say that one of the things that I wanted to bring into the podcast as well, it's like Elisa and I just started working together in uh, her long-term mastermind and we had been previously working together in a short-term mastermind. And I wanted to bring this fresh look into what it gets to feel like when it comes to coaching relationships. A lot of the times when I explain what I do, especially for people that are not in the industry, they ask me a lot like, oh, you also have a coach. And I was like, of course. I mean, if I wouldn't love it, if I wouldn't love it, if I wouldn't think that it's like incredible, why would I even do what I do? And one of the things that I love about our relationship, Elisa, and also the way you coach and teach is the depth of the relationships in which you get to be with your clients. So our relationship, I never felt like I was, you know, above you or below you, or it was like no, no hierarchy whatsoever is always just like walking together. And I know that I have the responsibility to take on whatever my business is and the results of our work together. And and I, I never come to you with like expectations of you fixing anything And also, I feel like you are very good at not really taking anything from me that will leak my power in sense of like, you would never answer a question for me that I would say like, oh, she got the answer better than I did or, or, you know, she's the only one who can solve this problem for me. And I think this is revolutionary so much in the coaching industry, especially in the way that is moving now. And as a reflector, I see it collectively like evolving into this understanding that if we don't get rid of this hierarchy, first of all, it's really draining for the leaders. It's so much pressure and why there's so much burnout in our industry. 
And also for the client, because it's from the get-go, when we enter a container, we enter a coaching relationship, or we enter a program or something where we put somebody on a pedestal, we're right away putting ourselves in a detriment of getting disappointed because at the end of the day, we're all humans. Yes. 100%. It's like, it's just such a fine line to walk. Mm. Because, uh, you know, I still believe that uh, as the quote-unquote leader of the container, we have to have this, you know, space of leadership uh, so that, uh, you know, the client feels safe. Mm. You know, it's not like a friendship, like, hey, let's talk about, uh, you know, it and whatever, and I'm going to give you advice uh, based on my own bias, because that's what happened a lot of time. But actually, leadership for me is, uh, I'm still the leader of this of this container, but I'm helping you to reflecting back to you and asking you questions and giving you, you know, little hint and advice to choose your own leadership. Mm. And... Absolutely. And, and that's the thing about the, the, the mastery of, of this work, because as you're saying, it's not that it's a friendship, although it could develop into a friendship and hundred percent, but inside of the container. And here's what I think about when it comes to, of course, because the thing is, it's like, we both have power to be in that container together, but you lead in your mastery and in your genius. And I lead in my mastery and in my genius. So I am very confident with what I bring to the table as a leader and what my work is. And when I don't have any wobbly on what my work is, then I can hold you through that work as you walk yourself. Exactly. Yes, 100%. And as you said, it's like, uh, where is the dynamic? You know, is the dynamic happening from the side of the client or from the side of the leader? Because there is a lot of guruship uh, happening, you know, in the mm. industry. Yeah. And uh, from one side, uh, is like, is the guru taking advantage of the situation? Or is the followers that are putting the guru in the position of the guru and then position the person as perfect uh, and like... Mm-hmm. Is golden God, you know, that has all the answer needs to be perfect. And then as soon as you do something that is normal, human, the client is like, you just disappointed me. But that's not what it is because relationship, human, because we are humans, human mm-hmm. relationship happen when we are willing to see the good and the bad, the shadow and the gift the beauty and the ugliness, you know, both as the client and as the leader. And you know what's coming as you're speaking? It's like one of the things to remember is that, at least for me, that what has gotten me to where I am as a leader has been the shit show of my human and how I walked myself through it. Like if I hadn't had those like setbacks or made those mistakes or gotten into those things that I was like, oh my God, if I wasn't allowing myself to be human and to learn from those mistakes, I don't think I would be in the leadership position that I am now. So this is so beautiful because we were just talking about, you know, what the DA world stands for as we were discussing the, the foundation the foundational piece about this whole business that I have created. And it is that union between the sphere and the human and the understanding that we are just as much as divine beings, perfect whole as we are human. And is when we allow those two to coexist together, that we then find, as you're saying, that unity. Mm-hmm walking as a leader connected to their spirituality at the same time as accepting their humanness through all of it, because actually the human is the one that gives us those lessons. Yes. And also as a leader, I think it's, there is a very important piece when we hold clients that yes, our job I feel is to see the client into their highest potential 
mm. that they haven't seen yet. And so part of my work will always be push you forward because it will be way too comfortable to say, yeah, you know, what does it, how does it feel good? You know, I could let them <laughs> where you are because I don't ruffle any feather, you know, and you feel very mm. comfy. But that's not the purpose of leadership and mentorship because, uh, you know, and on the opposite side, uh, as a leader, we can't push the client uh, too much because we want the client to have the result so we can feel validated. Mm. So it's always mm. walking this fine line be- to be a masterful mentor is when is the moment to push? When is the moment to lean back? When is the moment to hold space for the human and the rawness and the cry? And when is the moment to say, okay, enough, move? Mm. Exactly, exactly. And it's and, and that's, you know, th- that's the work, the, the tuning in and to have done the work within yourself, going back to this idea of why I have a coach and why I truly believe in this work, because it's like doing that within ourselves to be in a position where we are not reacting to our clients and to our work, but we're responding from that leadership position of like, okay, I'm not panicking because my client is freaking out in Voxer today. (laughs) You know, like I can hold that and instead of react to it, I can respond from, from the leadership. And it is such a difference because, you know, I don't know about you, Elisa, but I have been in in both ways. Like I have had mentors where I definitely felt like they were a little bit above me and you know, a little bit of a pedestal situation. And then I've also had mentorships where it's more like this very deep connection of acknowledgement of power, as you're saying. It's like, I know they see me and I see them. And, and then from that space, we walk together. And the difference between the results of what gets accomplished in a relationship where I know that they see me and I also see them and we see not only, you know, they're divine and they're genius, but also they're human. Like the results are just so different because we can really go deep. Unless you're saying, you know, in in your containers and in my containers as well, it's like, I'm going to tell you how it is. Not going to put you in a trigger state and not going to push you for my benefits, but I definitely going to tell you how it is. And then, uh, you know, it's uh, from the mentor perspective is like, uh, yes, we talked about it. I remember like, yes, I care about the client getting the results and I need to know how my work actually create those results, you know, because I work with other business coaches that I was like, so what do I do with this launch? What does feel good? Yeah. I don't know what that's <laughs> is watching Netflix right now. You know what I'm saying? You know, and then <laughs> watching Netflix. Yes. And then on the other side, it's like uh, detaching from a specific timeline, from a specific goal, from a specific outcome that the client needs to reach that money results so that I can post on social media and say that I'm the best business coach because I work with people like that and I felt so much pressure to perform. Mm. And that I couldn't be vulnerable and real in the container saying like I had the shit show day and it it doesn't make me any less than an incredible business person. 100%. 100%. And the, the the thing about the results as well, it's like, like you, how, what do I want to say about this? You walk the client through what they're walking through, but they also have their divine timing. Yes. You know, and, and also it's not just a divine timing because some people, you know, have a very different timing than other people, even though they're probably as as great. All of us have that potential. But on the other coin is also the understanding of, and I don't know, maybe you've seen this, Elisa, but I feel like when it comes to also being a leaders and coaches and mentors, it's like we're trying to, when we have a client, I feel like a lot of the times we're trying to be everything for the client. Mm-hmm. Really important to know, as you're saying, what is your process? 
Like what is actually the thing that you're leading in? And that will take you away from feeling like you have to solve everybody, every every single problem over your client's life. Yes. That may not even be the thing. Like, are you saying, you know, if a client comes to you and they're asking you, how do I do in this launch? And you're not a business coach per se. Why are you have feeling like you have to deliver on a launch response? You can deliver from from your perspective, like for me as a client, if you come to me as with a launch, we're going to look at your energy. We're going to look at the way you're feeling. We're going to look at your connection to spirit, your connection to the container, the way your nervous system is feeling, your emotional intelligence. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to do what Elisa does, which is Elisa is going to tell you exactly what to post and how to post it and how to create a foundational piece in your business to create those very masculine strategy uh, aligned results with your business. So I think that that's also the piece where we get a little confused. And anybody that's listening to that conversation, I feel like this is going to resonate a big, big time into the understanding of, okay, but what is your thing though? Yeah. And I feel also a big, uh, you know, red flag that is happening right now. Going into this subject you're talking about uh, in the industry is like now the new trend is nervous system and trauma-informed. Mm. But it's like, you can't learn trauma in a six-week course. Mm. Like, I've been studying psychology and counseling and trauma since 2006. And so it takes a long time. So if you're a mindset coach, for example, why do you feel the need you have now to become a trauma expert? Mm-hmm. When this is not your lane, and instead of actually creating results for your clients, maybe you are triggering their trauma. Mm. And so I always believe, uh, you know, that uh, I can help my clients on their childhood trauma. And, you know, we do this work, but this is not my niche, my expertise. I highly prefer that if you have a trauma with your mom when you were two years old, you go to a therapist. Because mentoring, business coaching is not therapy. But what is happening is that a lot of people, you know, as you said, they believe that a business coach or an energy expert like you, they need to deliver on all fronts. Mm -hmm. And then they try to suck everything from the container instead of uh, expanding. Does it make sense? Absolutely. And for you, do you feel like, because we're talking about, as you're saying, is it the client taking advantage of the coach or is it the coach not really being clear about their services, you know, because I feel like there is, there's a little bit of both. And so what do you, what do you think about that, the, the, the piece in which we should focus when it comes to this, this uh, misunderstanding? I think it's both, it's like, uh, you know, I always, I'm always very clear with my clients, like, you know, I have a client who's going through something very, you know, trauma-based. And I always, I told, like, I can help you, but that's not my place. And so go and hire a therapist. Hmm. I have a therapist. I go to a therapist every week. I'm not expecting my business mentor to be my therapist. Amen. And I think that's where... We don't actually quantum leap and see results sometimes eh? because uh, instead of going to your business coaching session with me and say, okay, yes, we look at the emotional, we look at the energy. I do, you know, I do a very 360 degree service, but instead of crying one hour on a call because your mom, we can't focus on the coach. <laughs> yes, you yes, know? yes. Yes. And then you're like, oh, my, but my business is not moving forward. Of course, because if we have spent six months crying about your mom, we can't do anything about your business because I'm not that, you know, bitch who is going to tell you, no, stop crying. Now we need to talk about the launch because that would trigger again your trauma. Yes. Exactly. I think I feel like this, this is this conversation is really not being talked enough right now in the like in the industry. At least I haven't really had this conversation or heard somebody really talk on this conversation that we're having right now. That it's it's like liberating and it's also like 
we're going to call some people out. (laughs) But it's like, it's both like it's liberating and it's slightly like a little triggering, but it's like, we really need to hear all of this because, you know, I think especially for women and I have been there where I feel like I need to be everything for everyone. Me too. Yeah. And then we come into this business and hello, we do the same. Yeah. And I think like sometimes we believe that the people that are at the top, quote unquote, don't have this or haven't moved through this or, you know what I mean? Like people will think that for you, Elisa, doesn't have a client that is crying on the phone for the first three months of their container. I do. But it does happen. Yeah. You know? (laughs) So so just like taking away that taboo of like things that get to happen, because I feel like another thing is – I see a lot of people wanting to work with like high level people. I want high level clients. I want high level people. I want leaders. And it's like, yeah, that's great. But like, I feel like a lot of the times we feel like leaders, it's we want to work with leaders because they don't have the problems that we think mm-hmm. are like low uh, basic low, problems. Low human problems, <laughs> you know? Yes. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I make a lot of money in my business, but I still have fight with my husband. I still cry because my mom didn't love me when I was two years old, you know. But again, I know where to go. Mm-hmm. He helped in different aspects of my life. Yes. And my business. And that's the difference, right? I think that the difference between the clients that are like, for example, low basic problems or like the way in which we look at this, it's not that they don't have those problems. It's that that they lead themselves through what is the help and the support that I need in this moment. And then I ask from it from a place of empowerment rather than a place of victimhood. Yeah. You know, I heard from a past client uh, that uh, one of her clients, like, was she's a business coach and was expecting her to be her VA and posting for her on social media and doing all these <laughs> things. And I'm like, you know, it's like, I think that there is a very little business literacy in the coaching space right now to what is what, what where do I go for what? It's like a coach is not the same as a mentor. And it's not the same as a teacher. Mm -hmm. A healer is not the same as a coach. You know, so a VA is not the same as an OBM. So we need to learn each space, where is what, and how to ask for what we need. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? Exactly. 100%. 100%. It's like, I'm not going to go to my healer and say, can you write the copy for my post? It's like, it doesn't make any sense, dude. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But then it's, it's, again, it's expecting for somebody to fix all the problems. And then where is a piece of the leadership, which is the piece that it's, it's necessary in all of this? And it's expecting for someone to be your everything. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And put them in a pedestal. And put them uh, in a projection place, especially like as we have a line two or a line five in human design, there is a lot of projection happening. And so if we are not aware as the leaders, and I'm guilty, you know, as fuck about it, but setting those boundaries uh, where you're like, this is not mine to carry. Mm -hmm. Go to, you know, I have a list of people I refer people to all the time when I feel this is not something, even if I know how to do it, especially as a line two, because we are easy breezy genius at two four like you, and we can do multiple different things. But it's like, do I really desire to hold this space, for example, for trauma or Mm -hmm. not what makes me happy and I'm going to refer you to someone else? And I think the piece there, Elisa, it's also when you do that, it's to know that by doing that doesn't make you a less of a coach or a less or less of a leader or a less of a person. You know what I mean? Like the saying to a client, this is not my son of genius. I'm going to direct you here does not make you less of because I feel like here is the piece. And I think this is where we're going to bring the money in in this conversation, which is if a client pays me 
then I have to give them my kidneys, basically. <laughs> Especially the more they pay, like there is this belief yeah. that, uh, you know, if they pay me six figure or five figure, multi five figure to work with me, well, I need to solve all their problems since they were zero years old and that talk to their mother and then talk to their father and then talk to their husband and that's not it. And I've got to do that in uh, two months or three months or whatever the container is. Yeah. And I mean, no wonder why we reject that energetically. Mm-hmm. Why, you know, when we think about a client coming in, let's say a $100,000 client, it just feels full contraction, yes. fear. Because it's like, imagine putting yourself in that position. Totally. And it's like... Uh, when we don't understand uh, how to kind of compartmentalize uh, the spaces, uh, it's like, you know, as if this bottle keeps getting full, full and full, and there is no more space for more clients to enter, more money. Mm -hmm. Because you have given all your life uh, to one client or two clients who have paid you, you know, whatever it is. uh, And then, you know, the universe is like, where are you going to put all the rest of the people, <laughs> you know? Yes. And the body, the body is so wise, as you know, like this divine union between the body and the spirit, uh, the body is so wise, is like, I'm going to have a nervous system breakdown. Mm-hmm. And here is where, you know, this masculine paradigm of burnout also comes through because it has happened and, and, and we have been able to overpass, to override the wisdom of the body. But once we do, then, you know, what happens is, yes, you have a lot of money, but then you're crashing, but then you want to leave it all. Then you want to burn it to the ground, then whatever, whatever, whatever. So I feel like one of the biggest pieces of the reminder of your work that I have moved through has been this idea of, in this whole conversation of of the overgiving and the being everything for everybody and the starting to put on those boundaries about what access do I give and don't give in what it means to receive huge amounts of money by not necessarily, you know, giving away a piece of my body, like an arm, (laughs) you know. And at the same time, I think uh, another another important piece, because I don't want people to feel that listener like, also, if I pay a lot of money, because there is also this narrative in the industry, as a client... uh, I'm a better client if I don't go to the call, if I don't use Voxer. Oh, if my. I, you know, because that... Yes, no, yes. If yes. I don't use my mentor because that means I'm leading myself, that's... No. It's no. like, for me, there is a difference between uh, high-ticket services and luxury services. So... I ticket service is like, uh, just pay me a lot of money because I'm my ticket. Eh? And then, you know, I, I can reply to you in a week. Uh, who cares? I don't know. Lead yourself, uh, whatever. <laughs> because that's how it is. And then the client is feel ashamed eh, to actually cry on a call because you can cry on a call with me, you know. But then, you know, how do we move through that? And the luxury service is like, I'm paying a lot of money because... You know, I'm someone who pay a lot of money, my coaches, my team, because I want to be treated like a diamond. Yeah. And so I am special for my mentor, for, you know, and I feel I have the spaciousness in this container to be seen and show up in my fullness and that she shows up for me with the mm-hmm. dedication, love, uh, you know, whatever it is. And the thing the thing about this sometimes is like when we haven't learned to create boundaries and to know when is enough is enough and when, you know, our our capacity is at, at max, then what happens is that we we don't know how to actually be hundred percent in a container. So most of the times we're overgiving and feeling depleted. And so then Oh, I want to go high ticket and I want a client that doesn't ask me any questions. Yeah. 
Yeah, but that's not it, though, right? As you're saying, is instead knowing to put those boundaries, knowing where you're at max, knowing your capacity, and giving your best from that space so that the client, I mean, if a client wants to come into Voxer five times a day, so be it. I'm going to lead myself through my boundaries and through the ways in which I hold my clients and that luxury frequency as you're speaking and then deliver that way. But I, I 100% hear you sometimes when, when you even feel bad to like ask for a question. And I think for me, and I don't know how you do it, but for me, before I ask a question or before I come into a container, I always check in to make sure that I'm coming from okay, I've integrated this. I am conscious about and intentional about what I'm about to ask and what I'm about to bring into this container rather than just like, okay, something came up. I just need to go ahead and, and just like dump it. Exactly. You know, that's that. You all, it, at the end, as you said, it all comes down to leadership because uh, mm. that's the leadership of the mentor to say, no, no, no. This <laughs> space to come and vomit for 10 minutes voice message everything that is going on, you know, because this is not serving you, me, and the other people in the container. Exactly. And then for the client, it's like, I before, and, you know, going to ask a question, ask the bigger question. You know, I always say, what's the bigger question? It's like, you know, don't ask me shit you can Google, honestly. And don't, <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, What's the point? But also, it's like I do a lot of self-coaching my, on myself every single mm. moment, every single moment of awakening and self-awareness uh, because uh, then I have a very powerful, precise, potent question that can receive a potent answer. 100%. 100%. I agree with that. And that's the piece about, you know, being a client that is – luxury client per se or somebody that it's really nice to work with because you know for example as a leader somebody that comes with a really straightforward question or something that you can really respond to from a very high frequency it just makes things so much better and and, and at such a you know just hyper speed per se but I wouldn't make uh, as we were saying before like higher clients or lower clients it's not even a a money thing Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm it's a self-leadership thing. It's like you could make zero money or, you know, 10K a month, but have this power in you that makes you this type of client that belongs in a seven-figure mastermind and that can create this type of results. Exactly. And so another thing that we haven't really touched upon is your psychic abilities, which I love and your ability to really be super laser focused with what a client needs at every moment, not just reading their human, but also their spirit and their energy. And I feel like most of, you know, really big, uh, businesses, especially in the coaching industry, they're either one way or the other that you're very spiritually driven or very business driven. And I feel like you have been able to to merge those two in a very professional way that I'm sure that anybody that comes to you, they don't come from the woo-woo, but they do expect that piece of you that it's, you know, the the ethereal and the psychic piece of your of your work. So how did that come for you? And how did you integrate that piece of so those two together to be able to, I think one of the, one of the pieces that it comes when, when being a spiritual is that maybe it's too woo-woo, you know? Mm. Yeah. You know, I think uh, the more I've been working in, you know, with also business mentors, uh, that it, I've seen that, uh, Without these psychic gifts, without these channeling abilities, it's flat. Mm. It's like they can give me the best answer from the book. They can give me the best strategies, whatever, but it doesn't work for me. It doesn't land because they are not reading my energy and what I actually need. Yeah. And so I, you know, I've been, and also for myself, it's like for my my clients, like I've been seeing that 
when it's just uh, that's why now every you know higher level container it needs to have like the coding and the, you know then even the small mastermind you did we had the coding because without that piece my work is not potent enough it's like i'm just a coach on the internet that can say the same things that everyone else say because let's be honest like the strategies are always the same mm. Do a free thing, have a lead magnet, da da da. Uh, email sequence, you can have an evergreen funnel, you can have a live funnel, you can have a master, but at the end, it's always the same shit we all talk about. But, <laughs> but that's true. It is, it is. But then, how can I actually gather, create the strategies that is channeled uniquely for you? That today, maybe your energy is telling me it's a masterclass with this price and this name. And then in six, three months, I'm going to tell you, no, your next strategy is having an evergreen funnel. Mm. Exactly. And I feel that's the piece. Go, go, go. No, 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 because I feel like that's the piece that is, you know, missing a lot of the times is, is, you know, you have gone through this very masculine, you have a business is going all the things, but then really to be that masterful leader, especially when it comes to working, because I mean, we can all teach these things, right? As you're saying, there's many group programs and, and, and teachings of these things. But if when it comes to mentorship and when it comes to, to leading somebody, it's the same thing that I was saying before, not reacting, but responding. But our ability to respond really truly has to come from our connection to our own energy and the energy of the client. That's why, again, we go back to the same idea of we've got to be able to lead as humans, but also to lead with our divine. And, and I think that that's why for me, when it comes to working with people, it's so important to develop their psychic abilities and to develop that connection because then it's, they start to see, I remember one of my clients, um, when we started to develop her psychic abilities, she's like, oh my God, Danielle, I'm just seeing way too much. <laughs> she's like, oh my God, I feel like my clients are speaking louder than ever. And it's like, of course, because now you you legitimately just open this other door that a lot of other people are not seeing. But then there comes the skill of being a, not only opening up the psychic abilities, Elisa, I think, and as a reflector, I, I see that lack of, of, of that integrity of, of the knowing how to use the psychic abilities, but also how to deliver that information. Because a lot of the times when we begin to listen and to see so much, we just want to also dump it in our clients as well. And where is your ego and where is the truth? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because uh, just be, sometimes if you are not the masterful psychic or healer, just because you see something, it doesn't really mean that it's meant for the client. Mm -hmm. Or in that moment. What is that? Or in that moment. Or in that moment. The same with coaching, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like sometimes I see, well, a lot of times, I see things for my clients that I know, but I'm not going to tell them intentionally because I want them to go through it make the mistake and learn from it. Because if not, it will be Elisa told me to do this. And da, 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 da. no, no. You know, you need to know when to say and when to lean back, when to lean forward and when to lean back, you know, and it's a constant mastery work in both the divine and human spaces. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think I love this, industry so much actually because it's never a dull moment in terms of how we're leading how we're mastering ourselves and our craft and how it gets to be refined to be able to be clear with our clients as we were talking earlier to to know exactly what you deliver what is your process and how that in you know comes into somebody's client depending on where they're coming from mm -hmm. so I feel this conversation is so good. And the other thing that I wanted to say about all of this in, in your work when it comes to money, what is the biggest things that you noticed that 
stops or or blocks or holds people back from financial freedom and in truly allowing more abundance in their life? Like what is that common threat that you see with your clients and with the women that you work with um, that is like a recurring theme when it comes to to their their freedom to receive? It's definitely like uh, being a slave of the patterns and the shadow of their open centers. In human there, design. In human design, yeah. Mm. There is a lot of patterns there. Like if you, you know, for example, I've found, well, for you it's different because you are a reflector, but you are all open. So I always say that it's easier to decondition for a reflector because you don't know the difference between having something full like you don't know the difference between having an empty water bottle of water and a full one mm-hmm. you just know the fluidity of nothing else got Does it, it yes yeah while someone was let's say two open centers and no seven open centers and two defined i found that those are the people who struggle the most mm-hmm. because they tend to grasp to the definition so they can go into the shadow even of the definition. But then uh, there is all these, you know, patterns, unconscious shadow happening in their open centers that they are not aware of and that, you know, leak uh, into their money and into their business a lot of time. For example, if you have you know, people with an open emotional center, I found that they have the hardest time launching. A roller coaster of emotions, I'm yeah. guessing. Because they don't know how to hold the deep. It's very hard for them to hold the deep of like a launch. A launch is not linear. You know, a launch is like, and then nothing, and then a little a deep, and then up again. And, you know, it's not like this. It's not linear. Mm -hmm. And so people with open emotional center, what I found is like either they do super short launches a week, you know, but then they don't even give the time to their audience to actually want it to buy the offer. Mm-hmm. Or they launch, they want no one's buy, and now is the drama. <laughs> yes. I need to, no, it doesn't work. I need to change the price. What is happening? Why no one is buying? And then instead of going into their CEO mindset energy, like, no, like that's BS, you know, let's give it time. And if it's not working, how can we refine the strategies Mm. instead of an emotional drama? And so there is no no lot of emotional intelligence there to hold a big business and big money and big launches. Especially if this is like a new, like if they don't come from other type of businesses or they haven't been entrepreneurs before and then now they're they're in the coaching industry and then dealing with all of this. Because, you know, I think one of the things that you you share a lot and I also share a lot about this is like you, you're not your business. And I feel like that's the big piece when it comes to this, to really learning. And I mean, I have learned so much of human design and gene keys through Elisa, because it's really understanding who we are and who the business is as a separated from us so that when I say the roller coaster comes in of those launches, launches, we get to separate between, okay, what is happening within me in my own field and what is happening in the business. Yes, that's huge. And instead of like, again, projecting your own emotions into the business, how can I take care of my little mini drama? And, you know, go and scream, take a shower, take a walk, cry, watch the notebook movie and cry, whatever (laughs) you need to do, and go back to your business from neutrality. And let's just stop there for a moment. Go back to the business with neutrality. Because I feel like, especially with my clients, I have this, I work with so many, they have this pressure, and this is where the burnout comes from um or or not even the burnout they're just like sick of this thing and they want to get into their feminine because they're so sick of this pressure of being hyper all the time 
And then they want to go now into their feminine, which is, it's not really like one thing has nothing to do with the other. But that's the thing is like this pressure of be hyper all the time in their business, which is unsustainable. Mm -hmm. And how scary it is to feel, okay, you've got to act neutral from your business. Because I don't think that, again, this is not something that's talked enough in terms of like, because I don't know. And I would love your your thoughts on this, but it's it's not necessarily that you gotta be like meh about it, and that it's not like you you're just neutral and you don't care because like how exciting is that? Like hello, not at all. But there's a difference between like having to create this hype and this excitement versus being truly deeply passionate about the work that you're doing. And also noticing where your own feelings are getting tied up with a launch. Mm-hmm. Yes, but also I think uh, there is a bad rap in the you know in the industry about uh, neutrality, but it's not bad. It's nervous system regulation. It's called uh, calmness, neutrality. It's like excitement is not a sustainable energetic minimum we can hold for a long period of time. It's a spike. But then if we are, there is also, you know, in the industry, this addiction, addiction, especially for generator and manifesting generators, to the excitement. Mm. And so if I'm not excited, it means that my business sucks. Or that I have to close doors. That, that, this is absolute nonsense. And because I think there is a difference between, because if we think about life in general and we say, well, excitement is an unsustainable emotion, I think it is not only, I think, in the coaching industry that it has a bad rep when it comes to neutrality, but I remember the first time that I started to teach about emotional intelligence and I introduced a concept that was, home-based frequency. And I shared about home-based frequency being this neutral energy. Mm-hmm. And I remember a lot of my clients being like, yeah, but I don't want my I don't want my life to feel just neutral. But I think what is beautiful about us as humans is that we can legitimately attune to any frequency that we want. But the consistency of one frequency, it's like, and I and I shared this in one of my programs, that it's like trying to wear the same color palette every single day. Yes. But it's like your shirt can be white, but your pants probably are going to be like off white. Mm. And then your your hair, it's going to be a different kind of white. So even if you try to wear the same colors, there's going to be tonalities to it. And so we pre- we expect ourselves to feel the same color every single day. And it's a impossible task. Yeah. And there is an attachment to emotions. There is both in the, I hate this thing, positive and negative. It's like, if I'm feeling sad today, I'm going to feel sad for the rest of my life. (laughs) Yeah. If I'm feeling happy, I need to grasp into this because what if it's going to go away? Mm Hmm. But that's not emotional regulation and emotional intelligence. It's like, and the same applies to your relationship with the partner. Like if you have been in a relationship many years, like you have been, and I've been, you know, 15 years, eh? I don't feel excited every day about my husband. It's like, this is impossible. (laughs) Yes, exactly. This is absolutely unsustainable. And that's where, you know, a lot of people then uh, jump from one mentor to another, from mm-hmm. a man to the other, because there is this addiction. I need to feel the newest, the excitement. But then there is no capacity to hold life. Mm. And yes, and I remember, oh my God, this is, I remember this. I read this such a long time ago. I was in my relationship and I remember reading somebody in in Instagram, a woman that I love. She's like a poet and I love the way she wrote. And she was writing about, she had been in a very long term relationship and she was saying, I have been in and out of love 
within my relationship with my husband. And I remember the concept for me at the time, this was a long time ago, I was like, what? And then of course I got to understand that, you know, being in a long-term relationship as I has been and as you have been, Lisa, that it's not necessarily that you're like out of love, but it's like this, this, you know, this is excitement. It, it kind of goes and goes. There is, there is periods in which you're not so in love, but you love the person. Like the, the love is, the love is there, but you're not in love. And then there is other times where you're like super in love, but it, but throughout those things, there is a movement. And the movement, it's, 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 it's a healthy. Exactly. And it's the same with your business. It's like if we expect the business to be in love with the business every single moment of every day, it's impossible. But you know, when you say that, I also feel like it is important to fall out of love in order to fall back in it. Yeah. You know, like every time I have those periods where I'm like, eh, you know, and, and they just go and, they, and it happen and it's like low times and it's fine. And then, but that's where that next wave of whatever it is comes. Yes. That, that is what in uh, human design, uh, you know, especially for generator MG, we call the plateau. The mm. plateau is that moment, uh, you know, because I guess we have a lot of listeners that are either MG or G since we are 70% of the population. But the plateau is that moment of like, I don't know. You know, I'm not in love, I, but a lot of people fight it and th- there is something wrong. Uh, I need to fix it. I need to change it. I need to change my business. I need to fix my mindset. I need... No, 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 no. You just have to relax into the plateau without fight and know that the spike is going to come back. So there... Where do you know the difference between I am procrastinating and self-sabotaging if I'm leaning way too back in the plateau and I'm relaxing too much versus continuing to move and to take the action in alignment to where you want the business to go? Again, it's a fine line (laughs) that there is not like, you know, there is no a tip or a specific thing. It's very unique to each person and each design. Mm. That's why, as you said, I love to work very closely with my clients and know them so well. I know their shadow of their jinkies. I know because then I can say, mm, that's a shadow of your vocation coming up here. Or, you know, it's not just a formula where you're like, okay, the plateau is going to end in two days. And if it doesn't end in two days, you know. But uh, the difference, I would say, is... Uh, I've I've had many plateaus in this business. The difference is like I never I never start self sabotaging myself, the business during those plateaus, or self judge myself. It's like the le- the more I trust in the divine time of the plateau, that it doesn't mean I'm gonna sit on my couch for a month. It means that maybe some sometimes I need two days to sit on my couch and watch Netflix and not think about the business and go out with my husband and go to the spa, you know, whatever it is. But in those plateau moments, what I've, what I've seen is like, enjoy your fucking life. Do the things that makes you happy. You know, nurture yourself. Those are the void, the very feminine moments, you know. Nurture yourself, see what needs to be distracted because sometimes, you know, there is this feminine Kali energy that asks for destruction and rebuilt, but in a way that is, again, sustainable and don't judge any of it. It's just part of the process of growth. I think that's one of the biggest pieces about the non-judgment towards what is because the moment we judge it... I, the way I see it energetically is like we split the field. And then now we are operating from a fragmented field that we're trying to patch back together rather than saying all of this is unity and all of this is happening within this oneness that I am in this, this, this like 
It's not even that we're going somewhere. It is all happening here. So when you're working within that, without the judgment of the split of the field, then all of a sudden everything is happening in in sequence towards each other, if that makes sense. I love I love that when I asked the question that I asked, that you basically said there's no answer to that question. And I love that because I feel like a lot of the times we want those answers and then somebody says something and then we take it and somebody else says something and then we take it and, and then we're really absorbing all of this as information without any true guidance. Yeah. And this is a reminder for everybody that, you know, is, is listening to, to all this podcast and all these people and all these mentors work with them, get close to them, really go deep into that intimacy of that relationship because a lot of, the, and I have been there where I want the answers and I cannot count how many times a day in Voxer, I laugh with my clients when I tell them, you're asking the how question again. Yeah. <laughs> you're asking the how question again. <laughs> and it's like, you can see the level of leadership and emotional intent. And I mean, again, there is no shame because in business, there are some how-to. Absolutely, 100%. That we need to learn and explain, you know. Uh, not, there is nothing wrong with that. Uh, but then when it's like a question more on an energetic level, like how do I hold more clients? That's not an how-to question. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. a who question. Mm -hmm. That's an energetic question, you know. But a lot of people mismatch what is a when a how question is needed and when another level of question is needed. Exactly. And that's when I really, because the how questions, most of them, those are the group programs. Those are the Google things that you can go ahead and Google. You know what I mean? Like those answers, most of them, we want to make them complicated because we think that that's where the answer is. So then we take 150 courses on launches where they're teaching you basically the same because the question is not a how question. The question, as you're saying, is a who question. And those are the questions that most of the times we're trying to grasp from yeah. free containers, from Google, from listening and plugging into other people without the investment of a high level leadership that will take you into the deeper questions of the who. Yes, I love that. This has been so beautiful. Yes. Such Always a with you. We talk for hours, I feel like. <laughs> yes. I feel like we just got in and started and the, and the yeah. interview is over. <laughs> Next time we'll talk about the telepathic communication that we had our first coding. Talk about it. Yes, yes, yes. Elisa did my first coding, uh, which she does in her mentorships, uh, the energetic uh, work that she does in, in, in her clients. And we had a full on conversation. And I was like, I don't know if Elisa's going to know this. And then afterwards, she writes to me and she's like, yeah, this, this. And I was like, what about this? She's like, oh, my God. <laughs> let's not even talk it is already being said so anyway next time we'll talk about that but thank you so much elisa for your time and for for sharing all the things that you do thank you it's been a, a total honor and a pleasure and if those of you who are here not even if like just go go to elisa go to her world get to know her she's just incredible and she will definitely shake some things up in your world the way she has to mine and it you're welcome basically <laughs> <laughs> you are so welcome so thank you elisa where where do you like people to to find you the most uh instagram the eli canali is my instagram and then we have a the business where we talk more human design, jinkies account that is the house of opulence and healing. Mm, that's like more like teaching content if you want to plug more tips uh, on human design and jinkies, but then more mentorship, leadership, uh, Elisa's world is my daily canary account. Perfect. And of course, we're going to leave all of this inside of the show notes uh, for all of you. So. I thank you so much for being here. As always, we'll see you in the next call. And thank you, Ellie. Bye-bye. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you love this conversation and want to explore deeper work together, make sure that you reach out directly to me instead of Instagram and also join our free community on Telegram. I will leave all the links for you on the bio. Until next time. Magic awaits. <laughs>